Hi, and welcome to the Leading Beyond Ego podcast. My name is Tor Olofsson, and I'm your host. Today, I'm totally excited about our guest. She will tell you in this episode that it's time to put aside this construct that we call ego. It is time to stop struggling leading our lives because we are being lived. Her name is Katrin Uthoisten. She has a classical corporate background. She was in management positions in healthcare, universities, and in classic industry. She has just published a book called Selfless Leadership, where she explains, among other things, what it means that we are being lived. Stay tuned to hear more. So, Catherine, uh, a warm welcome from my side. Uh, welcome to the Leading Beyond Ego podcast. It is fantastic to have you here. And uh, I was uh, thinking we would start with uh, you telling a little bit about your background. You have a classic corporate background. And uh, maybe we start there. Who Who is Catherine Uthoisen? That's a big question, because to be honest, the who question is not really something that inspires me anymore, but I can tell you something about my background. Yeah, so I've, it's been 20 years, <laughs> crazy, mm -hmm. but it's true. Um, and I started out actually, I studied law and I started out in healthcare as legal counsel. And okay. quite quickly, I became, um, I went into the chief of staff role. So always the staff function advising the board, first in legal matters, then in project um, management and stuff like that. I see. And at some point I changed to the other side, became a management consulting because they got the more interesting projects. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> This is still early on. Yeah. This is still early on in your career. Right. The first seven years. Um And then because of um, love and relationships, I moved to Germany and I ended up at a university. Okay. And again, I ended up in the staff role. So became chief of staff, assistant to the president and the board. And so all this time, either externally or internally, it was about supporting executives, advising executives in the area of change and organizational development. And mm -hmm. after that, I even went to pure industry, German um, industrial setting, again, organizational development. Okay, like classic industry, like production companies. Yeah, electrotechnical company. Okay. <laughs> Until I um, then, in, I think that was 2017, I um, went off on my own. And I was still doing consulting, so I was freelance, but doing organizational development consulting. And all this yeah. time, I'd also um, developed myself as a coach. So since mm -hmm. 2006, I'm a coach, yeah. certified coach. And all that time, formally, informally, I'd been coaching people, which was my real passion, but it wasn't real work to me. Um, yeah, and then so somehow, finally, um, two, one and a half years ago, it became more about um, coaching and more about the one-to-one -one transformation um, with individuals. And as you were working in these corporate settings, whether it was in healthcare or university or in the typical industry setting, how was it going for you? 
And what was going on with you at that time? So looking back, I was always interested in improving the way people work together. And mm -hmm. I was completely focused on the outside world. Yes. So there was this thing about professionalism, becoming better at my career, sure, becoming a better professional, bigger roles, more leadership, all that stuff. But it was always about, okay, how can all these people, all these projects work together better? And all that time I was ignoring myself because for me, and this was mostly in my private life all the time, was the, I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. As so many, as so many of us have those thoughts every now and then. I would say yeah. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the interesting thing was that during all this time, I was interested in my own self-development, but these were separate paths. And then in 2011, I did um, a intensive with Byron Katie, the school for the work, nice. nine days of self-reflection went very deep. And that was the point that for me, things changed because when I came back to work, all of a sudden, all I saw was these defective humans projecting their defectiveness and their limiting beliefs on everybody else at work. And it was so obvious. Yes. So you had a whole new way of seeing life yes. from that nine day, I guess, immersion. Yes, and it was things that came together because that started really kickstarted my whole rabbit hole into non-duality and my own transformation, which was again in, in my private life. But at a certain point, more and more, it, it, it merged with, with professional life. And I started wondering, well, we're humans at work, right? <laughs> Why are we keeping this to, to private? Yes, so exactly. I started integrating these things into my work. Mm. And you've just published a book called Selfless Leadership. How would you describe the core of that and what changed from this outside view and working on getting people to work better together, improving the outside? What, what changed? Um, yeah, a number of things came together. So for me, what I saw in my own internal transformation is the I guess you could say the classical non-dual insight of the non-existence of the ego. So Okay. Yeah. Interesting. The 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 self as a construct, the identity as it's real, I mean it's there, but at the same time it's a construct. Um and this changed everything for me because for the first time in my life, um after 30 35 years of living, I could stop trying to improve myself. And this became what I saw at work as well, that, as I said, all these people, all these leaders continually trying to deal with their own defectiveness by projecting it on the outside world. Um, so these insights, the non-existence of the self and what we really are, which is connected, and the way I put it in service to a larger whole when we're not obsessed with ourselves anymore, mm. um, this slowly more and more, it came into my organizational development work at first, but then especially into the coaching. And in the book that I wrote, um, this is really the, the four key insights, or really the three insights that lead to the fourth insight, which is that our true nature is selfless and to be in service to others. So you are 
on a similar path as servant leadership, or you would say it is servant leadership, which I think is a, a term that a lot of people have heard. But you have a, a, a little bit different take on it than maybe uh, other people. Yeah, so a lot of the servant leadership literature comes from the, um, I would say, also Christian background. Um, yeah. There's also a, um, a Hindu selfless service Indian stream. Um, but the thing we know, Greenleaf and, and a lot of this service, um, servant leadership that we hear has to do with um, following Christ, even becoming um, a more moral person who serves others first and their qualities, etc. But this for me is a path of becoming. So it has it has a moralistic background and it says, well, um, if you just try hard enough and work long enough on yourself, at some point you will go to heaven or you will become a servant leader. So it's so it's in, in that concept, it's working on certain qualities and, and, and skills even. And if you work hard enough, you will become a proper servant leader, etc. So um, for me, it's the opposite approach. It's okay. For me, it's Interesting. Our true nature is already there. We've been distracted, yeah. or we've created a construct on top of that. Ourselves, we've created it. Well, yes, yes we're not or, guilty, right? I mean, um, <laughs> society created it. Um, we've been conditioned since we came, um, since we were born, yeah. um, by our parents, by society, by everything we experienced. Um, and we've, I mean, we need an identity as humans. This is evolutionarily, it makes sense, you know? So mm. the ego itself is not the problem. The problem is that we completely identify with it. And, and what happens then when we completely identify with it? Well, the ego is a set of beliefs and these beliefs yes. are partly arbitrary, right? Things we learned, um, and they have almost everything to do with protecting this identity, which is a figment of the imagination. So it's something trying to protect something that doesn't really exist, which is a tough job. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this set of beliefs is something that we are always trying to shore up to make it more um, real, to make it more um, strong. Um, and this costs us an enormous amount of energy. And it's basically a losing battle because we're always trying to shore up this house of cards or, the, or this bubble of individuality, which really doesn't exist. And that's really interesting, Katrin, because you, you talk about one of your key uh, aspects, or I'm not sure what I call it, but you say this busyness of, of leading our lives is a bit of a misunderstanding because we're being lived. And, and could you take... Uh, a closer look at that with us. Uh, what does that mean we're being lived? I know it's one of the premises of really going into your type of coaching work that we need to first deal with this step or this idea. Am I correct there? Yes, yes. And our egos don't like this at all. Um, but the, the metaphor I like most is, um, so we're, we're, we have a body, obviously, which you could say is our hardware. And then we have the whole um, mind with its thoughts and its beliefs and its fears and everything, which is the software. And over our lives, it's been programmed in various ways, our genetics, our, our tendencies, what we've learned, this whole programming. Mm -hmm. And one app, so you could say there's software that downloads itself. 
Yeah. And there's actually software on our system that references itself. Good analogy. Yeah. Leading to what? Leading to self-referencing thoughts. So I have software that thinks about itself. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't doesn't necessarily. This is all programmed. This is all the time. Yeah. All the time. Right. Um, so if you look at yourself and, for example, what are you going to think in two seconds? You have no idea. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> what are you going to do in two seconds? It just appears. Yes. So if we look directly at our lives without this, without the beliefs we've been programmed, um, we see this directly, that we are being lived, that life mm. flows through us and our actions and our thoughts and our decisions just happen. They come out of nowhere. And in this sense, we're being lived. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that some people listening are saying, okay, so if I'm being lived, how do I step into a leadership role and lead others? Can you take us there? Yeah, because um, this is what you're doing anyway, or this is how you've been programmed or how you will be programmed, how you're being lived. So if you're being lived to be a leader, yeah. you're going to lead others. So the, the intuition is always, well, this leads to kind of fatalism. You know, well, if I'm being lived, well, then I can just go lie on the couch and not do anything anymore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not at all what you're saying. No, No, but you can't. The point is that you no. can't. Because if you're being lived, you're also being lived to be the type of person who will not lie on the couch. Yes. Yeah. So if you're being lived to be a leader and you fully come to terms with that idea and, and, and relax into it, what changes in the way people lead in your experience? So the first really huge change is that you can no longer feel two things, guilt and arrogance. Mm -hmm. Because if you're being lived, it's not your doing. So mistakes or failures are not your fault. Mm -hmm. And accomplishments or really big deeds, you know, look at me, I'm so great. The whole arrogance thing also disappears because this was also not your doing. Mm -hmm. So these two things are, I mean, an ego, a leader without an ego or without this arrogance is already much more effective. Um, the shame thing, interestingly enough, is also much more effective because you're not held back by your own uh, bad feelings about yourself. Yes. The self-criticism, am I good enough, all that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You just are what you are. Yes. That's the one thing. The other thing is you stop judging other people in the same way. So just like you no longer feel guilt or shame or arrogance for yourself, you also stop saying, well, look, these, um, this team that I have, they're so lazy. You know, they're not working. Which, yeah, the judgmental attitude. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they are lazy in the sense of that they're not doing the work, but you're no longer putting the shame and the blame on them because you know they are too being lived. Yes. And this changes fundamentally how we interact and how we live. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. It's fascinating uh, how you've come to this point. Was there, was it Byron Katie's uh, work, would you say, that was the, the key to it? Or was there a process, a longer process that had been going on with you? Yes, it was a, it was a process of more than 10 years. So Byron okay. Katie kicked it off 
And yeah. Byron Katie fo focuses a lot of um, focusing on, on limiting beliefs and seeing that was where I saw for the first time, you know, all this stuff I believe about myself. Maybe those aren't, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe that's not even my belief, but something I learned yeah. along the way. So this was really the catalyst. But then I spent 10 years reading literally over a thousand books on philosophy, Buddhism, non-duality, Hinduism, uh, self-help, spirituality, into the esoteric stuff, which I didn't like, but I thought I should read anyway. Okay huge amount of reading, huge amount of trying these things, self-reflection and trying to figure it out for myself. Mm. And then also some interesting and, and important coaching with people who had also seen this that helped me very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you have coaching clients where you are using the material that's in your book. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about what's happened with, with some of them without naming names? Just tell us, what, what effect is this having on the way they lead? Um, I'm sure you have some examples. Yes. The, the first thing, I mean, most of the people that I work with, they feel some sense of, um, of stress and frustration about trying to become better or they're interested in servant leadership. They want to become servant leaders or become better servant leaders. And usually mm -hmm. they want also to to change things in the, you know, to make, make the company better. Um, but this creates a lot of anxiety and frustration and stress because reality doesn't always follow our plan. Um, so one of the first things they see, and this is really visceral, it really changes how they are, um, and how they show up is that this stress of, I need to do things disappears because of this, this understanding, well, I'm being lived. I can let go. You just know, I can, yeah, I can just be and, and the image I often use is, well, you can just, you know, watch the movie of your life and get some popcorn and enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. While still, still being active in a leadership role, but it's a, it's a completely different feeling to it. You're being yeah. lived, you're enjoying the ride. Yes, you're enjoying the ride. And so this, the first thing that happens is this ease peacefulness, gracefulness that people notice because you stop the pushing. Yeah. So it's no more this, this, okay, here's my agenda. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to create this change. We've got to do the transformation. Bam, bam, bam. That disappears um, yeah. very quickly. And then the other thing that, um, so, so there are a couple of insights. The first is, is about the ego. Um, seeing also, I am not these beliefs about myself. And others are also not their beliefs about themselves. So we can yeah, all exactly. be nicer to yeah. each other. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. And then the third insight, which is really crucial also, is seeing the actual connection. So we think about ourselves. We've been trained to see ourselves as separate individuals. I am separate from you. Um, and I have some sense of, okay, this is me and this is my bubble. I'm safe here. And yeah. this is my world and that's your world. So radically seeing that, that this is again an illusion. There's continual, you could, it's actually from quantum physics and, and other uh, science, you can say, literally, this is one big ball of energy of continual interdependence, interconnectedness, and it's actually ridiculous or absurd to say, look, you know, here's the border, <laughs> here I yeah. end, you begin, and you're not yeah. crossing this border. 
Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So I'm going to summarize a little bit. You're saying we've, we've all been conditioned from, you know, the time we're born into this world to create a constructed ego. It's not our fault that it happened. It just happened. We need the identity that comes with it. But when we fully and totally identify with it is where problems are created. And you're saying we can make the step to realize that this construct is a bit of an illusion. Even though we need it, we can also let go of it and not have it control our lives and realize that if you relax into it and just allow yourself to be lived, all judgment falls away, all guilt and shame fall away. And what rises is this selfless leadership where you're in service of others. And it doesn't mean you lie on the couch. No. It means that you're actively being lived. And I love the fact that you said, you know, get yourself a a soda and popcorn and enjoy the movie. Yeah. Brilliant. So so the key thing is if you see that you're selfless, Mm -hmm. if you really see that, then of course you still have an ego and an identity. But yeah. it's no longer interesting. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. So the self-obsession disappears. And then automatically, I'm more interested in other people. And I'm in service yeah. to others. Because I'm not interested in this thing here anymore. Yeah. But hold on. You've been in the corporate world. I am actively working with leaders in the corporate world. So we're going to tell someone between the age of, let's say, 35 and 55 to let go of the story. Yeah. That they've identified with their whole lives. And then that will open up a new reality. Yes. Other than buying your book, what can people do to really explore that and go there? And hire you as a coach. They could do that too. Yes, Yes, those are two really good options. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really, it's not as difficult as we make it sound. Because even this, like, we have to, you know, see, fight the ego, or we have to understand all of this stuff. It's actually much, much simpler. Um, but the key difficulty is we have to use a part of our being that is not the mind. And this gets us in loads of trouble because for 40 years or whatever, 50 years, we have not been using this capacity. Whereas the mind has been hyperactive. Yes, yes. Yeah. So actually, I think the biggest hurdle is not so much that these insights are weird or You have to really look for them or you have to go meditate or no crazy stuff. It's really simple because if it's true for everybody, it should be simple. Yes, it should. The problem is that we're looking in the wrong direction because we've been trained to only use the mind to see. Yeah. How cool is that? We're looking in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that. you know, we're running this Leading Beyond Ego podcast. This is uh, music to my and our ears that um, we need to learn to look somewhere else. Um, inside, use a different part of ourselves. Right. So, so we discover that we're more than this identity that we've created or that was created for us. It's not something we yes. did. Um and from this place, it's, I, always, I always use the image of kind of there's distance that's created. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at that, which is actually experiencing the ego, what is that? How come there's some, something in our lives that was always there that is aware of 
our character of the ego. So it's a question of turning around 180 degrees and looking at that which is observing our lives. Yeah. Now we're, we're coming towards towards the end, Catherine, and uh, I'm, I'm aware that earlier on you talked about four elements or four aspects uh, that are core of your work. Uh, could you just take us through them briefly again so that we uh, didn't don't miss anything? Yeah, so... The first one we discussed a lot, we're being lived, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, I'm not, my, I don't need to micromanage my life. My life actually yeah. lives itself, <laughs> Yes. Um, which leads to this freedom from, from the stress and the planning and the frustration. Absolutely. The second one is that we're actually in every moment, we're new yeah. because we don't have to be, believe the whole set of beliefs, which is our ego that we carry with us from the past. We can let go of it and be new. Yeah, because yeah. it's not real unless we no. think it yeah. and believe it. It's a lot of freedom in that thought, in, in that reality, yeah. Yeah, so everything is possible unless we believe that it's not possible. <laughs> mm. So that okay. creates creativity, innovation, um, foresight, which was one of the key qualities of servant leaders, being able to mm -hmm. work with what emerges in the moment. Well, then you have to be in the moment first. Yeah. So that's the second one. The third one is we're all connected. Mm -hmm. So this interdependence, interconnection means, well, I can pretend I'm an island, but I'm not, you know? And this means that we can really co-create, we can really collaborate, and we have to because we're all dependent on each other in, in yeah. really ultimate sense. Mm. So if you see these three, well, I'm not selfless, we're all connected, we're new in every moment, then the result is well, okay, I'm selfless. I'm literally without a self. Yeah. yeah. But I'm still here, right? As you said, I'm still here. I'm still being lived. I'm still doing stuff. I'm still the CEO or whatever. Yep. Okay. So now the only thing that's left to be done or that, that happens through me is service. Mm -hmm. Because selflessness equals service yeah. to others because it's no longer towards myself. It's no longer just about me. It's about everyone around me. So it's, it's, it's like the good news, you're automatically then in service, you're automatically a servant leader. Mm. Yeah. This has been really enlightening, I would say. And uh, pardon the pun, a uh, bit of a, a play on words, but really, really uh, eye opening. So any final words from you to the people listening? Um, Anything that you would in particular like to put out there as your closing words, Katrin? I think the ens essence of what I, what I discovered for myself and that is also behind this is we don't need to become something. So all this striving, you know, to become better, to improve ourselves. And it's so deep in our psyche. It's so fundamental to everything we're doing all day. Mm -hmm. We don't need that. We can let go of that. And that's this ultimate freedom, you know, just to be instead of to strive and to become. And that's what I wish for everyone, that we would find that. What fantastic closing words. Thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, it was really nice having you. Thank Thanks, you for Catherine. having me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>